Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the, the lead pastor here. We're so glad you've decided uh, to join us uh, today. And so as we continue our series on wisdom, you'll see the series called The Edge. And that's taken from a proverb which says, you can use more force in life to do things. You can find success as you work harder. But if you learn wisdom, the edge of your axe can sharpen and you can actually do things in a way that lines up with God's ways. And so over these weeks, what we're focusing on is how do we find wisdom uh, as individuals as we look to God? How do we find wisdom? Like, how does that get into our lives? What is it and, and how do we live by it? And then as a church, what does that mean uh, for us? And like Ben mentioned, our uh, groups this semester are also focusing on wisdom as well. And we're going to be going through the book, Seven Weeks of Wisdom. And at our information table, uh, you can check out that book. But we want to really intensely as a church say, God, we need your wisdom in these times. Has anyone looked at what's happening in our culture right now and think like, man, we need help? Anybody? Okay. If you're not, are you awake? That's what I have to say, right? It's, it's crazy. But we're not meant to just stick our head in the sand and act like, like things aren't happening. We're also not meant to flee and run. We're actually meant as Christians, if you're a Christ follower, to be a light right here and right now. And to do that, we need wisdom because oftentimes our own reflexes are a little off. And so as a church, we're, we're doing this just whole intensive as we kick off this new year. God, help us to sharpen our edge so that we can make a difference in our lives and in our culture, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in every place that we, we find ourselves. And last week, uh, we were gone. Uh, our family was gone to Las Vegas. And I just want to say we made it back. Some of you are like, you could have stayed. Okay, we should have stayed, I guess. But uh, we made it back. But talk about a contrast in strategies. That's what I'm talking about today. When you go to Vegas, you kind of see the picture of like the human heart going like 180 degrees to like desires, right? Like you go to Vegas and it really is a feat if you make it back. Lord, help us to make it back. But, but Vegas is an interesting a picture of kind of what I'm going to be talking about today. And, and it's really the kind of the foolish strategy versus the, the wise strategy. But you don't have to go to somewhere like Vegas to see it. Uh, actually, you just have to wake up every day and you look in the mirror and you see the contrast. In each of us, there's a pull to do things uh, in a foolish way because of our hearts. And God cries out through scripture and he speaks to us and there's this pull to do things his way. And the Christian life is really one where you're always kind of dealing with those pull of two strategies, the wise way and the, the foolish way. And Ben uh, last week spoke about uh, the characteristics of a wise person. And so now I'm gonna kind of continue I'm talking a little bit more about uh, what is the pull that actually we have to fight against that doesn't pull us to wisdom, but, but actually leads us to, to foolishness. And that, that's the opposite, what the scripture calls folly. The opposite of wisdom is folly. That is a human that lives life without a reference or knowledge of God. You do things your way on your own terms, according to your own strategies, and as you make those steps into the foolish strategy, you may get what you want, but as you get what you want, you also find that it's really not the life that God has for you because you're not moving towards him in wisdom, you're moving away from him towards folly. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. As I get started, I wanna ask just a question, interactive. You guys ready? Thank you. Some of us are. Um, what's your favorite cartoon? Do you have a favorite cartoon? I, Tom and Jerry, I got that right. Okay, Tom and Jerry. Say that again. 
Pete Puma. Pete, has anyone heard of that? I got to check that out. Wow, now we got people. <laughs> now, this is like how to make sure no one shares again. <laughs> Someone shares, I'm like, never heard of that. No, but I, I will look it up. Warner Brothers, okay. Anyone else? SpongeBob, okay. Adventure Time, okay. Ho! <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite characters uh, is, is this guy. Anyone know who this is? Tasmanian Devil. Like Looney Tunes had a resurgence when I was kind of in junior high. Everyone wore Looney Tunes shirts. You remember that? Like it was like the, the cool thing. Tasmanian Devil was my, my favorite uh, character. But everywhere he went, uh, he left a path. And it was kind of like fun, fun loving, and, uh, but you didn't want to get in his way because in his way is the way of destruction. And it's interesting, as you look at characters, whether it's cartoons or you look at characters of TV, uh, I challenge you, this is a kind of a helpful thing to think, is like, as we talk today, uh, what is the strategy uh, as you hear uh, or as you see on TV related to characters? Like, do they represent foolish strategies or wise strategies? And, and how would you know? But for me, growing up, like the Tan- Tasmanian devil actually I didn't realize this until I was older, but it's, it's kind of symbolic of really the foolish strategy that you, you actually leave kind of terror in, in your, your path. When you pursue your own way without God, there's no reference to him, uh, you may get to where you want, but everyone is going to be impacted by how you live life. And that's the thing about wisdom. Everyone can choose what they want to do, right? We live in a country where like freedom, Lord willing, is supreme. It should remain that way. But even in our freedom, you can choose some really destructive decisions that, that cost you and, and others. And so our goal is like, how do we actually learn the right way so we don't keep uh, getting uh, beat up? And so what I want to do is start with this main point and then unpack the scripture, and it's this. A foolish strategy leaves a wake of turmoil in its path. And I want to just unpack that, that, that term wake a little bit. There's a book called Integrity. It's written by Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a Christian businessman and counselor, and he, he wrote uh, a sense of every time you interact with somebody, just like the Tasmanian devil, you leave like a wake, like, like a boat would. It's this impact, this experience that somebody has with you that impacts them and, and everyone you interact with. And this is what he said. He says, when a person travels through a few years with an organization, so he's writing more in, in business, or with a partnership, or any other kind of working association he leaves a wake behind in these two areas, task and relationship. What did he accomplish and how did he deal with people? So in the book Integrity, what he supposes is every one of us needs to be aware of the wake that we have. So as we interact with somebody or we go about a project and we go about a task, what's the impact of the way I handled myself, the impact of my decisions, What's the temperature that I left as people interacted with me? What's the looks on their faces? What's the, the kind of the idea of the project? Like, did things move forward or, or do they move, move backwards? In the sense of, like, we, we tend just to live our life sometimes blind to the impact of our decisions. And I think every one of us has an experience at work. We have an experience at home where you've left awake yourself. And you've thought, wow, I didn't realize I was that cranky. But apparently, I am because everyone's like, whoa, keep, stay clear of dad. You ever had that experience as a parent, right? Or one of your kids like reacts, and you're like, whoa, I think you need to go back to bed, which is the worst phrase you could ever tell a child. 
But it's true. There's like this impact that, that happens. And I found this video, which I thought was kind of interesting, thinking about wakes and boats. Let's watch this. This is from a theme park. Check out the people uh, on the bridge. Now, you, you could see people towards the right, the right side. They're thinking, I'm going to be wise. I'm going to stay clear of this. I'm sure as a group, like, let's all do this. Let's all do this. And as the boat's coming down, half the group's like, never mind. And there's some that are just staying strong. Like, I'm going to take it. And, you know, they got soaked. And that's fun at a theme park. But a wake in life that flows from a life of foolishness, it's not nearly as fun. In fact, even getting soaked at a theme park, the older you get, is not nearly as fun. Soggy shoes, not fun. It's hard to make traction. But it's the same in life. There's impacts. There's a wake. There's things that we all do that can prevent real progress in our life. There's things that we all do that also can prevent our relationships from flourishing. There's things that we do that prevent us from making progress in work because of how we handle ourselves, because of how we see the situations in front of us. All of this flows from our heart, from our perspective and values, a lot like what Ben talked about last week. And so what I want to do is dig a little bit deeper into the characteristics of this foolish strategy. The reason that's so important is you need to know what foolishness is so you can identify it, so you can see it in yourself, so you can see it in situations. And then as we look at the why strategy, we'll know which way we're going. Sometimes if you don't know and you don't have the right categories of what foolishness is, of the warning signs, of obstacles, of detours, then you could be going in the wrong direction and, and not know. But what God's word do, does is it, it like illuminates. It gives us categories. It shows us what is so we can get our bearings. And so I'm gonna list quite a few things. And it's from the book of James in the New Testament. And James is a really helpful book. And I'll read that in a moment. But it, it describes in chapter three, where we're gonna be focused on today, uh, kind of the characteristics of a wise person, or a, sorry, a foolish person, uh, how that impacts. And it starts in chapter three talking about the tongue, like the power of our speech, how detrimental it is to what we say. And then he gets to this section. And so I'm gonna read this and kind of unpack it a little bit. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So James is very direct and he speaks kind of plainly. But the idea is, if there's things in you, like bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, the best thing you can do is to admit it. But as you read that, if you're like me, you read that and there, you can be a little defensive. I don't know if you've ever been defensive as you've read the scriptures, but it can happen. The scriptures are constantly holding a mirror up. Here's potentially who you are. Here's what you do. Here's what you look like. And then some of us are saying, but no, that's not me. What the scriptures are saying is the best thing you can do is to own who you are to own uh, your struggles. And so if you have this, do not boast and be false to the truth. Like you want to be able to see who you are. If you see who you are, even if it's bad, you can deal with it. If you're ignorant to who you are, you never change. So even in that, there, there's some wisdom. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish uh, ambition exists, there will be disorder and every evil uh, practice. And so there's some motives, some characteristics, and along with that, the, the results of this foolish strategy, this wake that's left in our path. And so I want to start with the motives. Uh, that's helpful. There's two key words here. The first is 
a bitter jealousy. Now, have you ever, and you don't have to answer this out loud, some are rhetorical, you can keep to yourself, but have you ever struggled with being jealous of somebody? And I think probably all of us. Have you ever struggled to the point where like you actually resent the person that has something that you want? That's the bitter part. Not only are you maybe discontent or you're struggling because it feels like you don't have, but when you see somebody that does, there's something in, the, in you that, that just is dark. Like you don't, you're not happy for them. In fact, you're kind of resenting them or you're angry at God. You're angry at, at your circumstances. So I think all of us can kind of see that in us in different situations. You could be doing fine. And then somebody who you know appear maybe gets a promotion and they're finding some success. And sometimes instead of being happy for them, the thing we just think is, well, what about me? Where's my promotion? You ever struggled with that? It's so easy to think of what we don't have and then be envious of the people that do. That's part of this foolish strategy that's in our hearts. So that's the first thing, just bitter a jealousy. It's a self-oriented desire to possess things that are not really ours. Like we want something, but God's not given it to us yet. And we struggle because we want it, but we don't have it yet. And bitter jealousy begins to kind of fuel us. The next motive is selfish ambition. Is there selfishness in this world? Yes, we see it all the time. Is there selfishness inside of us? Yes, if you wake up, you see it all the time. Selfish ambition is actually in our hearts. From really the day we're born, we're, we have these broken, sinful hearts. And it's the stubborn determination to get what we want. The reason it's so important to focus on wisdom is because as a default, we're going along the path of foolishness. That's why you could see where our culture is and our world is. We're always leading away from the ways of God. Why? because the bitter jealousy and the selfish ambition is in us. We don't have to adopt it. It's there. It defines us. That motive is in every single one of us. And that is deciding to get your way at the expense of others. It could be putting somebody down. You say it verbally. It could be just what you believe in your heart about somebody. It could be every situation you think, like how you can get ahead how you make sure that you're taken care of, your family's taken care of it, maybe at the cost of others. That's in every single one of us. As I was preparing for this sermon, again and again, I was just kind of overwhelmed by my own sin, my own bitter jealousy that I can have, my own selfish ambition. It's there. And as you start to think it's not, it crops its head. It's a reminder. So all of us have this, this pull. And so those, those motives, just kind of keep those in mind because you'll see these kind of kind of layered into the other things. And so let's talk about the characteristics of a foolish strategy. Again, identifying these, pinpointing us, it kind of lets us know where we are. And the scriptures continue. James 3, put that up there. And you can see verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes from, uh, down from above, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. So two different types of wisdom. There's godly wisdom, which comes from him. He's the source. And we learn about it through his word. That's the one main source. And then, then there's this other type of wisdom, but it's actually not wisdom at all. And that's what James is saying. This wisdom is not from above. It's not from God. It's not from that source. But instead, it's earthly and spiritual demonic. I just want to unpack these three words. Uh, these words uh, kind of go from mild to bad. They, get, they build on each other. So 
as we don't deal with bitter jealousy and as we don't deal with selfish ambition, we now start to become a person that represents this earthly and unspiritual way of life. Uh, Earthly means that uh, humans are, are really like all that they are. It's this idea like what we have on this earth, humans, this is kind of what humanism is all about. Like we are the center of the universe and we think we have all of the answers and we think we have all of the resources and we think we have it all together and we think that this world cannot make it without us. And that's actually not, not true, but it's earthly. It's just of this, of this world, that's all that there is. And then the second word is un, unspiritual. Now, this, again, is a stronger word than earthly. Earthly is we're all that exists. We have all the resources. We have the knowledge. We don't need God. You see through the centuries, this has just been built in philosophy and then sciences. And it's just taught, basically, in education. That is, there's no God. We are it. We have all the answers. What the scriptures are saying is you can go that path and you could own that you know, teaching, but you're not going in the way of wisdom. You're going in the way of foolishness. And so unspiritual means uh, relying on emotions and human reason alone. Again, it's like as you start with being this earthly, there is no God. You now, instead of God guiding you, your emotions guide you. Have your emotions ever guided you? Does it ever go well? Well, according to the movies, if you just follow your heart, you're going to fall in love with just the person just waiting for you. The problem is you follow your heart enough and you go all sorts of places. Just a dog without a leash going crazy. And so that, that earthly, there is no God, we know it all, leads to us. We don't need God. We rely on our emotions alone. Then we rely on our, our reasons. Like we just, we have understanding. We can see everything. But I think what the last couple years could teach us is how little control that we have. Have any of you struggled with just the lack of control you've experienced in your life? You know how many times we thought COVID was going to be over, right? How many times you thought your plans were going to happen and then they got changed? What happens without God and you have all of your own resources in your reasons and your emotions, you realize how little control you have. But we tend to double down. We tend to double down like, okay, maybe it didn't work out, but we're going to keep trying harder. We're going to keep relying on ourselves. We're going to keep figuring it out. And it actually leads to even worse, and that's this sense of, of demonic. And, and literally, the word there is it's devilish. When you're earthly and unspiritual and you're the center of the universe, you have no concept of God, no recognition that he exists, you actually lead to this place of darkness where you represent the characteristics of the devil himself, which means that there, there's no God. I don't, I don't want anything uh, to do with him and the spiritual forces of evil work here. Now, again, we don't tend to think about this a lot. We could see it. We can experience it. What the scriptures do, it, it's pointing us to the root. If you have these motives, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, and you don't deal with them before God, and you don't get help, and you don't turn to him and surrender to him, you're left to your own devices. You're left to culture to help you or reinforce. You're left to education. You're left to the media. But what God says is, I want to actually guide you. I want to help you. I want to lead you out of your bitter jealousy, out of your selfish ambition, and I want to give you 
a view of yourself and what you can do in the world that you cannot have without me. And he's always inviting us to that. But this, these poles, these, these are real in, in, in all of us. And so the motives, the characteristics, and then there's also the result. This is helpful because where does this land? This decision that I make, what's the path I'm on? And then you can see the scripture on here, James uh, continues. Verse 16, if this is your way, if this is your strategy, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, what happens? There will be disorder in every vile practice. If you want to know where folly is blossoming and the fruit of it, look at the chaos. Look at conflict. Look at the disagreements. Where all those things are happening, that's where the folly's fruit is coming. So oftentimes, I don't know if you've been through a season in your own family life. I know my wife and I have, like where it just feels like we're against each other. You, you, get, you ever, ever felt like that as a family? The reason I bring family life up is this is where you see it the most. But what happens is, as we deal in a church, as you come to church, and what do you always do? You put on like the best face you can. How are you doing? Great. Couldn't be better. My family's perfect. We all know that's not real. But there's a sense of which like nobody knows the chaos that we have in our own lives. Family life can be chaotic. Can I get an amen? Right? And oftentimes it's chaotic for a number of reasons. But one of the biggest things are is there's a lot of foolish strategies at work. And it's not just the kids. It's the adults. All of us have goals that we want. And it shows up in the ways where we don't get what we want. Our goal is blocked. And when our goal is blocked, that's where you see your strategy. How do you go about getting what you want? So for me, this is like, it's convicting. It's, it's a challenge. Uh, but this result is helpful. Where there's chaos, that's where you can see, okay, there's, there's some things going on that, that we need uh, to deal with. And I want to just describe briefly those things. The first is uh, disorder. The results is, is disorder, uh, confusion. It's like a crowd starting to panic. If you've been in a situation where there's confusion, like it could be at work, it could be in family life, it can even happen in church where you just feel stuck like you don't know what to do. Like you don't see the way out. You don't see the way forward. And it starts to feel hopeless. You're discouraged. You feel stuck. You feel like you're just reliving the same thing over and over again. Oftentimes what's happened is there's, there's, some, there's some foolish strategies at work could be within us, it could be with other people, but that's like this indicator, like when there's disorder, we need God's help. We need him to give some guidance, to speak into this situation. This is very helpful as you deal with a conflict, with family, with people that we love. It's very helpful as we deal with situations at work when problems crop up, but when there's disorder, it's an indicator, okay, there's some foolish strategies going on, we, we need uh, God's help. And then every evil practice. So the result is just, just something that's, that's worthless or bad. Have you ever entered into a situation and it was just everyone was at each other and nobody was seeing eye to eye and you leave there and all you can think is, that was bad. You ever said that? Like, wow, that was bad. Now again, in the movies, things are just chaotic, it's just crazy, everyone's doing their own thing, and then it wraps up, and it's like everyone loves each other at the end. And in an hour and a half, the whole problem was solved. But in life, 
These things happen over years. You can enter in situations and it's just like, wow, that is bad. Nobody is seeing eye to eye. Nobody's listening to each other. This kind of sounds like family counseling, doesn't it? Because again, it shows up. It shows up here the most. You see it. But every evil practice is just bad. It's worthless. The idea is like, at the end, there's like no hope. The results of the foolish strategies, you're hopeless. Did you know that's where so many of us find ourselves? It's easy, uh, if you're like me, it's easy to look at what's happening and just identify it in other people or in other situations. But I think what we all need to hear is, you know, these things, the bitter jealousy, the selfish ambition, again, that's in us. And if that's in us, and it's in the other people that we relate to, there's a good chance that these characteristics and these results, they, they can happen without us thinking. We're heading in that direction. So where does this leave us? Well, we need this. We need the profile of a heavenly strategy. And, and this is actually what James does. He shows us our problem. Now, this is like, if not the most motivating sermon, right? You're like, this is kind of depressing. The fact that you're just not even saying anything. I get that. But again, you have to identify the problem so we know how to move away from it. And so what James does, he recognizes that too. And here's, here's the good news. And I want to read this. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, here's a different result. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Contrast and strategies. This is the way of wisdom. So what James is saying is all of us are pulled, default, hearts, we have problems. We're going to be going towards selfish ambition. We're going to be going to bitter jealousy. It's going to cause disorder. It's going to cause us to think that we have it all together. We don't need God. You see that in our world. Our world is a case study. Our culture, our community, leaders, it's, you, you see it. What James says is that's not the only reality. There's a reality that if you choose to follow God, there's a different way. There, there's actually hope. And this is actually what our church is supposed to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to be on social media. I, maybe I'm watching a show. I'm listening to talk radio. I like to do those kinds of things. But it impacts me. Like when I listen to things on the radio, it impacts me. Does it impact you? Like have you ever found yourself, you're like you're frustrated because of what you listen to? Yeah. Are you ever frustrated by what you read? Yeah. You ever frustrated people keep asking you questions? Right? But it it impacts us. So what tends to happen is uh, over the course of a week, you leave here. It's like, oh, church was good. It was great. Saw people. It was, you know, good. Then Monday comes, you go to work, and you maybe listen to talk radio, and they have a perspective. Could be all sorts of things. But in their perspective, is God the center of what they talk about? Is he involved in their reasoning, in the outcomes? And if he's not, then you're getting perspective that, that's godless. It's, it's a way of like, foolishness. Now, it could have some wisdom, but if God's not the center and he's not a part of this solution, then 
It's not wisdom from above. So what tends to happen is as we do this and as we see shows and they're talking, they're treating each other in a certain way and it doesn't match the wisdom from God and it gets a different result, they're actually, it's, it's lies. If they're treating each other in a foolish way, but they're getting the fruit of wisdom, it's not true. But we don't realize that. In fact, we actually enjoy that. We want people to do what they want to do and then it work out in the end. We've been trained like that. You don't, you don't make one commitment to one person in a romance. That doesn't work. They do whatever they want, and in the end, they find that person after all of this train wreck of decisions. And we like it. So what tends to happen is, during the week, all the things that we consume, we're like a sponge. And then we have our heart, and it's fueling the sponge. And so we, we fill our sponge oftentimes with foolish strategy, the things that we see the things that we feel, the things that we reason by ourselves. And oftentimes we come to church with this sponge full of foolishness. You ever been to church where like a pastor really encourages you? But I'm saying this is me too. So what's the church designed to do is recognize we have a sponge that all of us are coming in here with and it's full with all sorts of perspective. And most of the time it's probably from the culture because of what we've consumed and if it's from the culture, then it's probably of a foolish strategy. And so what we're supposed to do as a church is we got to recognize that we have a sponge full of different perspectives, the way that we think life works. And we need to ask God, God, will you help us to squeeze that out, things that are not true? And God, will you give us the truth so we can fill now, be consumed with our hearts, the sponge of truth and righteousness fill us? That's why what we do as a church is so important. We are bringing the wisdom of God to this world. And we need to wring out our sponges of the things that don't represent wisdom, and we need to fill it with wisdom. And we need God's help to do that. But all of us are tainted by the, our experiences, by what we consume. All of us. So what James is saying is you have to choose intentionally on a daily basis a different way, a wisdom from above. And as you do, these words become true of you. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time of this just because of time already. But what I ask you to do is we're just going to keep this up for a moment. Look at all of those words. The wisdom from above is, is, is pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. What I want you to do right now, which of these words do you wish you had right now in your life? You don't need to answer that, but just think about it. Write it, write it down. Which word do you hope that would be a characteristics of what you experience? Which one appeals to you? Just take like 10 seconds to think of that. Everyone got one? Okay, first, pure. As you relate to people, there's no strings attached. You're not playing games. Peaceable, uh, peace-loving. Um, you're you're going to try to maintain peace at all possible. If you tend to look for fights, you like to play the devil's advocate, it's usually not the wisdom from above. Gentle, in other words, considerate. Uh, you want to speak in a way that fits and appropriate to what the person needs to hear. You're thinking about them. Open to reason, in other words, submissive. You're easily persuaded. You hear somebody's perspective, and it actually impacts you. 
full of mercy and, and good fruits. Uh, literally like compassion, uh, warmth as you relate to people. Impartial, uh, you don't want to play favorites. You don't see the people that you like and get along with and gravitate towards them. Uh, sincere, uh, again, not, not playing games. You say what you say and then you back it up with, with your action. For me, God was speaking to me on this, full of mercy and, and good fruits. And what I kept thinking is like, as I'm relating to people, Am I, am I being warm? Am I being considerate? Am I checking in with them and saying, like, what do you need? Where are you, and how can I help you? I just was thinking of that, like, with, with my own kids, with my wife, my neighbors, people in the church, you. For me, as I read this, this is a breath of fresh air because it comes from the living God. This is who he is. And this is what we need. This is who we need to be. Every one of us wants to experience this. We do. We want to experience this in every situation. To follow Christ means you become this. You don't expect people to do this to you. You bring this to people. This is who you are. So as a church, like we want to take this seriously. We want to do what God says we don't just want to say it, but we want to do it in every way. And that's why we need God's help. That's why we need to keep focusing on Scripture. That's why if you're a Christ follower, you need to spend time with the Lord. You need to read his word. You need him to speak to you. Because our hearts, again, they're just going towards this jealousy and the selfish ambition. And we need his help. We need his help desperately. So I want to encourage you, identify. What word? What's your sense? And as I wrap up, What's the next step that you can take? Ben's going to come up and close out our service. We're going to receive our offering. We're going to sing another song. But seeing the, the foolish strategy, seeing the wise strategy, what's your sense of what you need to do or think differently? Take some just time to think of that. Allow God to, to speak to you. Let me pray as we do that. God, we thank you for your word which identifies who we are what we're dealing with, you, you cut right through to, to what we need to hear. Your word gives us the picture of what we need to see, and, and we don't have to keep guessing. We don't have to keep searching for reality. You've given it. You've revealed it. It is truth that gives freedom because we know who we are and what to do. And so, God, I pray, show us right now by the power of that raise Jesus from the dead. Show us right now just the foolish strategy in our own hearts, the things that, that we're doing in our relationships, that we're doing as we're, we're focused on tasks or projects. Anything that's preventing us from moving towards wisdom, will you, will you show us? And then, God, we ask that we'll be able to help just by the help that you bring to grow in the wise way. God, just show us the practical ways and the specific ways in which we could do that. Lord, we're broken. Our world is broken. People are broken. It, it can be so discouraging when we're left to ourselves. But God, thank you for being a God that you guide us forward away from foolishness and into wisdom. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.